Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Let's go to the Lord. How many want God's blessing on this time? How many need God to help you right now to maybe receive? Maybe you had a crazy day, crazy week, crazy month. I don't know, crazy year, crazy life. But how many know God can really help you to focus? Because I believe tonight that what we have to share is going to change your life. I believe it's going to transform it. It's, it's an area, it's a, it's a topic, it's, it's a subject that is of utmost importance as a believer to learn about, and that's faith. You ready to go to God? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. You're an amazing God. And Father, we honor you. We worship you. Lord, we take time to just right now focus on you. Maybe it was a crazy day for some of us, and crazy week, and whatever. There may be much going on in their life, which is causing much to go on in their minds. Maybe for some here tonight, their mind is just in a whirlwind. A whirlwind of what if, how can it be, is it gonna work out? Where am I going, what am I to do? Anxiety, worry, pressing on them. Maybe they're feeling less of a family member because they're not able to, in their mind, provide for Christmas gifts or whatever. But Father, here's the key. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says that we're to cast all our cares on you because you care. You care for us. Lord, I want them to envision this right now. That is a lifetime of care. That is a forever taking care of us philosophy of who you are in reality of who you are. So they may feel alone in all their problems, worries, anxieties, and cares of life, but they're not. According to that verse, you care for us. So Father, right now, I want everyone here tonight to envision themselves literally taking those cares and just, man, just putting it, just, I want them to see them plopping it right in your lap, throwing it at you, whatever they got to do, busting through the doors of the throne room and just quickly, hastily laying it at your feet and saying, Lord, I do not, in and of my own ability, sir, have what it takes to take care of all this. And they're looking you in the eye right now and they're saying with all of their heart, but you do, you do. Now, Father, I, you're right, Lord. I even sense a difference in the environment here right now. They're just, they're just, some are just taking deep breaths, not sighs, but deep breaths, feeling the release of that heavy of care and burden. So, Father, I believe they're better prepared now to hear your word in Jesus' name. How many agree with that? Don't carry those things. Don't carry those things. You were never created to be a pack mule for Jesus. You're not a pack mule. He's ha God has the back to carry the things in your life and to work them out. You and I are called to believe, amen? Look at the title, faith, it's a matter of the heart. Everybody say that out loud with me. Faith, it's a matter of the heart. Let's look at our scriptures, and then we're going to go from there. This is part two, by the way. We skipped last week uh, 
of, of, this, of doing this because obviously we had water baptism. How many were here for our water baptism service? Wasn't it amazing? 50 people, come on. Amen. I mean, people just came out of their seats and, you know, we had 30 some sign up. We ended up 50. How many know it's intriguing when, because some don't sign up because they're scared of water or getting wet in front of people, but they were watching those 30 some folks get baptized because I was right there by the booth watching the whole thing. And one lady came back. She was so ecstatic. She just gave her life to the Lord, by the way, that night and came back and said, how can I get baptized? I'm like, just go right in line. <laughs> Amen. But it's just neat how they watch others ecstatic over getting it done and all fear melts away. How many believe that's Christianity? Amen. How many know it's good to watch others getting it done, so to speak, and that helps you in your fears? Amen. Hebrews 11 verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, meaning God. That's a tough thing to swallow. Because I think as, as a believer, every one of us want to please him, don't we? How many here just wake up and say, you know what, I'm going to really displease God today. How many do that? Nobody does that. Even unbelievers don't do that because there's that fear of God thing, that actual being afraid of God thing. So I, I don't think too many people wake up and say, how can I really displeasure God today? I don't think that's a reality. I don't think that's fair to say. We all have an innate built-in desire, especially once we become Christians, to want to please him. Now, this verse is telling us a pretty profound thought that without faith, it literally is impossible to please him. How many think that puts the connotation on the fact that faith is pretty important in your life? And with that being said, I've watched over many, many decades, many years, the, the, the concept of faith and the teaching of faith and the reality of faith and what faith really is. And even in my own life, having to work through what it truly is versus sometimes what it's taught to be. And I'll explain that here in a moment. And if you were here for part one, two Wednesdays ago, how many were here for part one a couple Wednesdays ago? How many remember we really dug into that? Matter of fact, we didn't even get very far in our notes, but we're getting them done tonight. Amen? No, we're not. No, we are. We really are. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who what? So this is saying that we're to come to God. And of course, we're to come to God on a daily basis. We're to come to God with our what? Our faith. You got to come to God with your faith. Because God is a God of faith. You couldn't even got born again without faith. You got saved by what? Grace, but it was through, you got saved by faith through grace. Amen. Faith was the avenue by which you were able to tap into the grace of God. For by grace you are saved through faith. So think about what God has done. God has done tremendous things in your life. Obviously the ultimate is salvation. So you couldn't even gotten saved as we say, which many don't understand that even new Christians don't even understand that term saved, but you couldn't even got saved, become a Christian without faith. So now that you're walking and journeying with the Lord and you're called of God to journey with him, you're called of God to know him on a personal level and not just the great God in the sky who has saved you now, you're actually called to know him personally on an intimate level. And that's going to take a continuance of faith. So how many think we should know what it is? 
Well, the title is the key. It's, it's the obvious of where we're trying to peek into scripturally. Faith, it's a matter of the heart. And once we define what that means, what does it mean to be a matter of the heart? I think it's going to revolutionize your life tonight. I really do. Because here's what we talked about in part one a couple of Wednesdays ago. We mentioned that most Christians, when we start hearing the teaching about faith and we start learning about faith, and if it's not clarified what true faith is, that it's a matter of the heart, this is what we begin to envision in our imagination. How many know imagination is a powerful tool that God has given you and I? You should imagine yourself and use that gift of imagination, which is what I call the DVDs in your mind that play all the time. How many know you got pictures and movies running in your mind all the time? Now here's the problem with imagination. When it's not renewed by God's word and when you don't come to church and crack open your Bible personally and hear the good news of God and see the great pictures, snapshots of what God has done and is doing for you, those imaginations or DVDs in your mind will continue those movies to play things like seeing you in defeat, constant being, constantly being broke, no money, honey, dead end jobs, single people, you're seeing the illusion in your mind, the imagination, you'll be alone for the rest of your life, seeing yourself at 80 years old, no husband or wife, being buried alone. What was that one movie, uh, The Scrooge or whatever? He had a vision, you know, how many, know what, how many remember the movie, Christmas movie, where they showed him being buried alone or whatever that was? You know, it, it's amazing what the gift of imagination can end up really being a curse when certain things don't happen. We're going to talk about that tonight. Because I want you and I to start using the gift of imagination, having movies going on in our minds, of us just living life that'll blow your mind. But that scares a lot of Christians. That's egotistical. That's egotistical. I just, who does he think he is? God wants, we have to suffer. How many have ever heard that? Well, just living in this world, you're going to suffer enough. But God always has an answer to the suffering. It's called victory. Sure, and there's times God will even, listen, this is, this is serious stuff. God will even pause the, 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 the victory moment in your life and let the suffering continue for a moment because he sees the end result in your heart that he wants to have developed or happen inside you through that suffering. God doesn't wake up every morning, so to speak, or when you and I wake up every morning, he's already planned out your suffering for the day. Come on, get that. See, some of us imagine that. How many are with me? Some of you even caught yourself, God, you, I know I keep hearing you love me, but it seems like you're really out to get me. God's a loving heavenly father. He's got so much bliss and blessing. I'm telling you, it'll blow your mind if we really were able to get a sneak peek of what he has for you. Look at this, Matthew 12, 34. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And this is what we were talking about, this is what I was getting to, and part one is this is what I see most Christians end up believing 
and using their imagination. Remember the movies going on, the images and the snapshots and the actual movies that go on in our minds. Sometimes they're snapshots, sometimes they're movies. It depends on how much thought you've put into that stuff. Everybody said, now everybody look at me. This is what I've seen a lot of Christians end up doing. Here's us, and we talked about this in part one, and we cannot move on until we do this. So as soon as I do this, we'll go to the notes and we'll fill in a bunch of blanks and we'll get to teaching some stuff. But I want you to watch this because this is important. Here's you and I, we're Christians. Here's God over here. And in between is life. Us, God, life. And in the chasm of life, there's stuff going on. Just stuff that are just sufferings, letdowns, ups and downs, all arounds, just life. Everybody say life. How many of life can be messy? But then we start getting some teachings on faith. And sometimes we just get partial teaching here, partial teaching there. And listen, everybody listen. And we don't devote ourselves to studying scripturally what is the most important thing that pleases God. It's called faith. So we rely on maybe a 30-minute message at church or somebody else that we may uh, listen to that that we follow the ministry and that may be a 40-minute message. We rely on that and that alone to help us develop and what the Bible says is the most important thing to please God. So what happens is in those many moments of getting taught about faith, here's us, here's God, here's life in between the the, the schism, the schasm, and the skuzus. Amen? I'm here with me. Right? And this is what we see ourselves doing because of those many teachings of faith. God, I believe your word. God, I say this scripturally, or I confess this scripture. Or God, I I believe you're going to heal my body because you're a God of healing. God, I believe you're going to provide my needs. God, provide my needs, provide my needs, provide my needs. And we envision ourselves trying to get over the, this whole valley of life and this, it's this echo of stuff going on and all the noise of life and that it's trying to reach God. And here's God just, you know, <laughs> then all of a sudden, this little echo of Pastor David's prayer. God. He sounds like a girl when he's under pressure. <laughs> God. God. And then God's like, wait, wait, is that my son, David? Pretty bad, huh? And David's over here, yes, it is. He still sounds like a girl. It is, David, please heal my body. And nothing happens. Oh, God, please heal my body. Nothing happens. And then he's really pouring it on. And then he gets a deep voice. God, heal my body. Because he means business. Nothing happens. Then he starts getting all of you. Man, I need you to pray for me. What's going on? Man, I need healing in my body. So now we start joining him. God, heal David's body. God, heal David's body. God, heal David's body. And all these voices, because this is what we envision. The more echoes, the more people voicing it for Pastor David, the more we're going to twist God's arm. And the more God's going to be like, all right, leave me alone. Okay. And what we said in part one, the fact, now listen, everybody listen to me. This is going to make some of you so mad. It's going to make you so mad. And some of you for a moment, it's going to make you confused. I get that. I understand that. The first thing Pastor David did wrong was ask God to heal him. (laughs) 
I'm pausing for effect because you ought to see some of your faces. That prayer is not going to get God's attention. Matter of fact, if it does, it's only going to be simply, he's asking me to heal him. Man, I bet he ain't read my word. Because this is God talking. As far as I'm concerned, he's already healed. Quit asking me. Now, this is him talking to Pastor David, not you. Quit asking me to heal you. And change your voice, by the way. But quit. Get your manly voice on because you're a man of faith. Right, Dave? Quit asking me to heal you because it's not in line with my will. Because my will says it's already And I'm using the healing part for a reason because if God's already done it, then he, Pastor Dave, and what he's requesting or saying has to change. In a nutshell, because we may run out of time. Let me share this real quick. I'm going to go this direction real quick. Would Pastor Dave's responsibility to please God and his growth of faith and the fact of utilizing his faith is this. This is, this is how this is to look. We, we, we got God. We heard Pastor Dave crying out to God, heal me, heal me, and pouring it on. And see, I said this in part one, too, and it needs to be repeated. A lot of times we think that if we do spiritual gymnastics to really get God's attention, man, I'm going to memorize the whole New Testament in one month. I mean, it's good to memorize God's word, but one month. Because, God, did you see that? I memorized your whole New Testament in one month. I bet you God's pretty impressed. That'll surely get God's attention. God, I prayed on my knees, literally on my knees for over an hour. That's got to impress you. No, it don't. God invented a thing called a chair. Now, it may be cool, and I'm not, I'm not belittling you if you pray on your knees. I'm not, but don't do it with the motivation is what I'm after. It's motivation that I'm talking about. You can pray upside down. If that helps you in your prayer life, go for it. But don't do it with the motivation that God's seeing that action and he's pleased. Or he's really motivated to pour it on unto you because Even Rob can't even pray on his knees for an hour. (laughs) I know you do, but I'm just kidding. How many understand where I'm going with this? See, that faith can become legalistic is the term. Write that down, especially if you're new in the Lord. You want to write that term down, legalistic, legalistic, legalism. It becomes what... God came through Christ Jesus himself to nullify. And that was the law, the Old Testament. Those poor folks, all they had, they had to constantly try to fulfill the law to make God happy and keep, and keep the curse from them. Amen. Jesus said, it is what? We said this part one. Jesus said, it is finished. He was referring to the law and legalism and, and trying to have to please God through your actions instead of just simply believing. Now, here's the key. Let's move on. You see some blanks, they're filled in. Talks about tenacity. How many know tenacity is good? 
we appreciate your tenacity. You want to pray on your knees for an hour, that's tenacious, thank God, but that's not guaranteed victory, doesn't bring victory, has nothing to do with your victory. May help you stay focused, cool, do it. May give you sore needs, don't do it. But it has nothing to do with our, our, our tenacity that we have. Thank God that we're tenacious. I will get my victory. I will get my breakthrough. Uh, my, my body will walk in health. I'll be healed. We get the tenaciousness. Thank God for that. We'd rather you have that than give up. Amen? But that is not going to give you your victory. Now let's go to this, Hebrews 4. Look at Hebrews 4, got to read this. Therefore, since a promise is in your notes, under number one, we are to labor to enter rest. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest. Everybody say rest. rest. A promise remains of entering his rest. Lest fear, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So he's writing this for a reason because there's believers who have failed to enter the rest that God promises for everyone here in this room tonight. There's a rest that God promises for you and I. Don't you want to know what that is? I do. The Bible's promising me something. I want it, especially with the connotation of rest. For indeed, verse 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word, the word, everybody say God's word. Everybody say, I love God's word. Say, I love God's word. Say, I love God's word. But the word which they heard did not profit them. That's most Christians many times that I see this. They're praying like we said Pastor David was praying unto God way over here. The schism of life, schism of life, and the schoogles of life is all going on. And we're trying to get God's attention and do what we're asking him to do. And that doesn't profit us. Because that's not God's M.O., Because God's done everything he going to do. See, that's, that's the part right there that we go, what? Everything you need, ever going to need, ever going to desire, ever going to want is already fulfilled. It's in the bank. The Bible says, after Jesus said, it is finished, it goes on to explain after he went into hell and did all he did, preached in hell, by the way. That's how serious Jesus is about salvation. Think about that. Gave, gave Old Testament folk opportunity to get, accept him. He takes them all up into heaven, and the Bible says he sat down. You don't sit down till the job is done. He sat down. Because it's done. Hey, I did my part. All they got to do is believe now. And that's where the dilemma comes. So there's a rest that's for us. Some didn't get it according to this writer of Hebrews. And he says, because they heard the word, they heard the word. You're hearing the word tonight. I wonder how many are going to leave here tonight. I don't believe any in our church. But I wonder if there would be some that would leave and the word not profit them. God's all about profit. How many investors in here tonight? How many love to invest your monies? Come on, let me see your hands. How many love to invest your money? Hey, you're after profit. God's the best one of profit, folks. 
Do you think you're right? Do you think God wants you to come in here on a busy week and a busy Wednesday? You're supposed to come in here on a midweek service because you just, that's the religious thing to do. And this does not, does no profit at all to you. Do you think God wants you praying and cracking open your Bible every day and communicating with him and reading his precious word, but it doesn't profit you at all? That don't even make sense. God's all about profit, gain, increase, more, much more. (laughs) I'm enjoying myself. Let's go on. Laboring does not bring change. It's not the victory. It does not bring the victory. What in the world are we to labor for then? I'm glad you asked that. Let's move on. Think on this. It takes effort for our heart to be changed. That is the laboring. See, when I wake up every day and I speak with my mouth God's word, I'm not speaking God's word to move God, to get God to act. I don't even mention his name, so to speak. I'm not even talking to him. When I get up every morning, ooh, I could just flow through what I speak every day. I'm not speaking God's word at all for God, and I'm not even again thinking about God. Do you know what I'm doing? I'm glad you asked that, because that's what we're going to learn, because all of us have to learn this, and I'm still learning this. Remember, once I have changed my beliefs at the level of the heart, then I enter into rest. See, there's certain things that you're believing at the level of your heart that are causing turmoil in your life. They're tormenting you because you believe in the wrong things. Like, God, heal my body. God, heal my body, and it's not happening. That's tormenting. But when the revelation comes, as you see it in the word, that with his stripes you were healed, duh, I barely passed English class, but I know what were means. If I were, then I is. So all of a sudden, your confession, your prayer changes. Now it's Pastor David. Woo, he ain't got no girly voice now because he got revelation down in his heart. Now God over here, Pastor David here, it's now, thank you, Lord, I'm healed. Thank you, Lord, you did it. Thank God my body has to line up because you already did it. Most of our faith ain't got nothing to do with God, so to speak. Faith in him because of what he's done. Ah. All right. I'm holding on to the podium so we can get done. Here we go. Once I've changed my beliefs at the level of my heart, I will enter into that rest. From this point on, every change that comes into my life will come from believing, never from my own doing. You can't, you can't twist God's arm enough to get him to do stuff for you. Quit doing that. You can't do all those spiritual gymnastics, jumping through hoops, showing up. Showing up for every church service, showing up for every church event, show you the man. You show up for everything because God's like, woo! 
It's impossible. Stop that. Nobody show. I don't even show up for every church service. Stop that. I'm kidding. Because you know what that was? You imagine somebody took that little blurb from this message. And you should do that. Somebody do that. Send it to Pastor Don. Do that, Pastor Dave. It's a joke. This is what Pastor Ken's teaching. Stop showing up for church. Would that be wild? Number two, look at this. A study of the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence. Keep your heart. See, when I get up every day, I'm speaking God's word. I'm not thinking about God because God's done everything he's going to do and I'm thankful for what he's done. My work, my labor for rest is to get this, my heart inside me, fully persuaded to what God has done. I've got to work to persuade my heart so then I can rest. So that I'm not in agony believing he's going to heal my body. That I can rest knowing, hey, pain comes my way. He's already healed my body. When lack of finances come my way, hey, he provides all my needs. I work every day to speak God's word, to persuade my heart and or to keep it, to keep it, to keep it, to keep it fully persuaded. Because this world spews out doubt and unbelief every day. I can't afford not to hear his precious word going into my ears and getting down into my heart because the world is spewing out junk every day opposite of it. Woo! Sorry. I feel better. <laughs> Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the what? Now, the heart is the seat of your being. Write that down, the seat. Everything rests upon heart. Look at number, uh, or letter B. Who you really are. Your heart is who you really are. Here's why now. Letter B is who you really are and letter C is the why of that statement. It's the place where who you are in your spirit and who you are in your soul come together. You're a spirit person. You possess a soul, mind, will, and emotions and you have to have a body. How many glad you have a body? How many think it's good to take care of the body? That's your earth suit, your vehicle to get around here on earth. You gotta have a body. But you, the real you is a spirit being. And when you accept Jesus, you become brand new in your spirit. But then you're in a dilemma. You now have a heart about you, a heart portion of you, which is your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. That didn't get brand new when you accepted Jesus. When you accepted Jesus, your stinking thinking came with it. The wrong beliefs, philosophies, and concepts of life all came with you in your brand new spirit you now have. So all the stinking thinking, wrong philosophy, wrong beliefs now has to be removed and replaced. Everybody say lifetime process. That's why when you come to church, and it's so important you come to church Send that to Pastor Don. Because just now, listen, this is serious. Just by you hearing the word right now, there's certain things that you thought wrong, believed wrong, uh, had philosophy, philosophied wrong, is now starting to be chipped at. Boop, 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 boop
boop, come Sunday, hear the word, boop, 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 chips at it, open up your Bible daily, because you you're not a fool. Everybody look at me, I love you, but you're not a fool. Open your Bible up daily. Don't tell me you don't have time. Oh, uh, 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 don't tell me with technology today, don't give me that. Man, Earl James Jones, whatever his name is, can read it to you. And that started in the 80s. James Earl Jones, that's his name. I remember James, James Earl Jones. I remember him, his voice. I want a voice like that. You want a voice like that, Pastor? <laughs> For sure. With today's technology, man, they have Bible apps that not only show you the word written, but you can hit a book and it reads it for you. Come on. Man, when I accepted Christ in 1982, you had to have a paperback, man. I love my paper Bible, don't get me wrong, but I wouldn't mind having not go get my cassette. I remember those days. Find it. I remember you played it so much. Just woo, 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 woo. Do you remember that? Now you're carrying it around on your phone. Remember, look at this. Losing the joy of our salvation, losing the victory over sin, losing anything that God has given us, that salvation is not a reflection of the condition of our spirit, but the condition of our heart. Think on this. While our spirit man can only be changed by God, our heart, our heart must be changed by our thinking and only us can do that. That statement right there, if you don't get anything, I want you to, we're gonna look at that one more time. While our spirit, read it with me, out loud with me. While our spirit man can only be changed by God, our heart must be changed by our thinking. And there's only two gateways, there's only two ways to change the way you think. It's through your eyes and through your ears. You see the will of God, the word of God, the truth of God, and you hear the will of God, the truth of God, the word of God. That's the only two gateways. But some of you are wondering why you accepted Jesus and you're still getting battered around and beat and tromped on and life's still not working because you're thinking wrong and because you think wrong, you believe wrong because faith is a matter of the heart. And you haven't been able to enter a rest and entrusting him because you got all this wrong stuff on the inside that conflicts with who God is. So now you're trying to get tight, you're trying to get close, you're trying to get intimate with God with wrong stuff and views about him. That'd be like me trying to be close with my wife and I think and, and view her as this down here when she truly is this up here. That did good? How many are following me? I wonder why, I wonder if that's why many get divorced. Just a thought. You think the wrong things about your spouse. Maybe even because you think the wrong things about yourself. Your heart affects your life more than anything else. It is the standard. Look at this. God help me. It is the standard you always will return to no matter what happens. 
If you don't continue to renew your mind and condition your heart to be fully persuaded to certain things of God, God can pour out all kinds of blessings upon you. Listen, there's a possibility we'll end up messing it up anyways. Because we think wrong. That's why sometimes God has, ah, listen, listen, listen. That's why sometimes God has to delay his blessings in my life. Because it's like, son, I love you, but you're not ready for it. Change the, the way you think about this and renew it to my will, my word, my ways, I will get it to you. We are what we are in our heart. Please mark that. Please mark that. You are who you are in your heart. While there's certain things that I don't like about me, Ken, you are who you are in your heart. And remember what the heart is. It's made up of your soul, your mind, the way you think, your will, what you decide, and your emotions. The first important one is your mind, the way you think. You are what you are in your heart. I don't like certain things about me. You are what you are in your heart. It's because you think that way. You think a certain way. This defined the word think. Next blank. To split open. If you were to study it in the Greek, I point it to Rob. Notice I said Greek, because he's the Greek and Hebrew master. If you study, it literally means to split open. And that's it, why I said earlier about chipping. You gotta chip away at stuff on how you think about God and Christianity and faith and life, yourself. You gotta chip away at that and get that wrong stuff out. Well, God's word is the power to do that. It splits open. It means to be a gatekeeper. A gatekeeper. Do you realize right now whatever you think in your mind is guarding your heart? Didn't, didn't we read in Proverbs 4, guard your heart? Come on, work with me. Is that in your notes? Proverbs 4, 23. Guard your heart for from it flows Listen, guard your heart. Think, the word think in the Greek literally means to be a gatekeeper. Now, let's go, let's go uh, negative here for a moment. If you're thinking the wrong stuff, you got these black ugly guards that stink and are smelling. They're guarding your heart from the truth of God's word and keeping from your life God's best. You gotta slay those guards, the wrong thinking, get the sword of God's word out, slay them, and get new guards to watch over your heart. So that when the wrong guards try to come back, whoo, you got the new guards on guard. Man, that's good. I don't know about you, but that's really good. That's helping me. Wow, he even boasts over his own teaching. <laughs> Sorry. It just something hit me. Struck my heart. The idea is this. Your thoughts are the doorkeeper of your heart. Look at your notes. The doorkeeper decides what will get in and out of the door of your heart. Yeah. Remember, a person who's not persuaded will waver. Here's the key. I'm pretty much out of time. A person who, will, who is not persuaded will waver. 
I'll give you an example. I said a moment ago, Pastor David's crying out, God heal me, God heal me, that's not scriptural. It's not scriptural, it's not scriptural. Be mad at me, whatever you want. Search the word yourself. He's already done it. Just that simple adjustment, amen? So Pastor David heard that. So now what Pastor David's gonna do, he's gonna wake up every morning even though he got pain or ailment in his body, and he's gonna say, Lord, I thank you that you healed me with the precious stripes of Jesus at Calvary. Woo, with your stripes, I am healed. With your stripes, I am healed. With your stripes, I am healed. With your stripes, oh man, the pain just seemed to got worse. God, heal me. No, wait, 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 wait. That's not what the word says. Lord, thank you with the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Thank you with the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. Thank you with the stripes. Ah, the pain's even worse. God, heal me. That's the battle of faith. Work with me. So what's the man of God got to do? He got to pour it on now. He's got to continue to confess the word because it ain't about changing God's mind or getting God to work and do the genie in the bottle thing. God's already done it. He's got to work now because he's got a battle at hand. He got to fully persuade himself. He got to get the heart to believe. To get the right gatekeeper at the door. Prove it to you, Romans 4, 21, and being fully persuaded, being fully persuaded. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, talking about our, the infamous Abraham and Sarah, old fogies having kids. Come on. Truth, being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was also able to We're out of time. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.